This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready, and for this episode, I'm going to be taking you guys back to a year in 2011 to look at Jake Gyllenhaal's action adventure sci-fi movie Source Code. So let's jump on the train. Let's play you guys a trailer, and I'll see you soon. At 7.48 this morning, a bomb exploded on a train outside of Chicago, killing everyone on board. What is my mission? A secret program called the Source Code will send you back in time to relive the last eight minutes of a passenger's life on that train. Find the bomb, and you'll find the bomber. What would you do if you knew you had less than eight minutes to live? I'd make those seconds count. Welcome back, Captain. I was unable to find the bomber. We've been informed there'll be another attack in six hours. If you find the bomber, the next attack can be prevented. As always, you will have eight minutes. It's the same train, but it's different. You're kind of freaking me out. I want to go back in. I'm going to save her. You can't. It doesn't work that way. Christina is dead. Try and stop me. Sean! Get back! Source code. And welcome back guys, so the synopsis of this movie is a soldier wakes up in someone else's body and discovers he is part of an experimental government program to find the bomber of a commuter train within 8 minutes. It's a PG-13, it's got a nice 3 minute runtime. it's an action drama, mystery, uh, sci-fi, pretty much everything's thrown into this movie. Um, it's got 7.5 on my MBD, which is very good. I think it really deserves that, because it's a good movie. Um, it's got a budget, well it had a budget of $31 million, and it took $150 million um, at the box office, which was really good. It was directed by a English director called Duncan Jones, and I didn't know this, Duncan Jones is actually the son of David Bowie. Dance magic, dance magic, dance. Always reminds me of Labyrinth. Every time I think of David Bauer, I think of Labyrinth. But that's not a bad thing because that's another good movie. Um, but we're not talking about Labyrinth today. We're talking about this sci-fi movie. But um, yeah, so it's the other thing about this film I was surprised with. There was no sort of big um, distributor. I thought it'd be like sort of like Twentieth Century Fox or Universal or something like that. Is that in actual fact? It's kind of like a borderline. Um, independent movie, um, uh, film company called Summit, Summit Entertainment. I always like to shout those types of companies out. Um, they did really well in 2008. They basically put together the um, Twilight saga, made a whole ton of money. Um, then they did a Nicolas Cage movie called uh, The Knowing, which made a load of money as well. So it's kind of sort of cat- catapulted them. Um, into making this really good movie which I'm talking about today so um, 
And what I was really surprised with was that I was really expecting this movie to be like like a short story from some 1930s um, comic book or something like that. Because it kind of like shouts at you, and I mean, a bit like um, like the Twilight Zone or something. It, it reminds me of that type of sort of concept. But in, in actual fact, it was actually written by um, an American screenwriter called Ben Ripley. And um, you know he's done he's done some work here and there, and he had this script flying around, and he was trying to sort of get it, you know, uh, produced. Um, and looking on on online, it looks like he he, he met Jake Gellerhall, and Jake Gellerhall managed to get it produced, and then he met Duncan Jones, and then from there onwards, this film got produced, which is kind of cool. So that's like your main building block, and then you've got the music, which I always like to shout out, because music is always important to a movie, and it's a guy called Chris Bacon, and he, funny enough, did the music to Bates Motel, um, which is the like TV show of uh, Psycho, and uh, that also started uh, Vera Varmiga, who plays um, uh, Coding Goldwyn in this movie. Uh, so there's a little bit of a tie in there. Let's talk about the rest of the cast. So obviously you've got uh, Jake Gellerhall. Does a fantastic job in this movie. I must admit, uh, <laughs> kind of makes me want to go and buy a tweed jacket uh, after watching this movie. He kind of pulls it off pretty well uh, wearing that in this film. Um, yeah, he's a great actor. Um, he started off with Donnie Darko. And he's recently done the Spider-Man movie. He's playing one of the little spoiler here, playing the bad guy Mysterio. Um, Michelle Monaghan, uh, she started off in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and she did the romantic comedy Maid of Honor. And you got Jeffrey Wright, you know, he's really good. You know, he's he's a very, always comes across as a real sort of intelligent type actor. Um, he plays Dr. Rulidge in this. I remember him in James Blonde playing Felix in the Casino Royale with uh, Daniel Craig and then his latest outing is playing Commissioner Gordon in the Batman movie um, so yeah look forward to that so there's some of the cast you also got a um, some of the American listeners here probably recognize this guy Russell Peters is a um, stand-up comedian so he has like a cameo in this film as well um, so yeah there's a cast a little bit of trivia um, it's, the film is set in Chicago, but it's actually filmed in Canada. Uh, there's, I've got to shout this one out, there's uh, the ringtone. Uh, Christina's ringtone in this film is uh, Chesney Hawks, I am the one and only, there you go. <laughs> Being a bit of an 80s fan myself, I've got to chat that one out. Um, also, I mentioned um, earlier, I will mention this now. So you watch this film, and like I said, I thought it was a... Um, it was shouting out to me this is a short story from some old you know, like 1930s sci-fi pop, ma- pop magazine or something like that turns out it's not as I've already mentioned um, but the other thing this film shouts out to me is um, the uh, Quantum Leap um, I'm sure many of you are aware of that you know with um, Sam jumping into different adventures in times um, and he's basically jumping into the avatar of someone else's body and when I watched this film for this review, I thought, yeah, this has definitely like got a quantum leap to it. Because at the beginning, Coulter Stevens looks into a mirror. And that happened in every sort of quantum leap episode. 
turns out that that is um, that is actually got a time because um, I never realised this, but Scott Beluka, who plays the character Sam in Quantum Leap, actually has a cameo in this. And he plays uh, Coulter's father, so he is the voice on the other end of the telephone at the end of the movie. And he even goes, or he says, old oh boy, down the telephone. So like a little bit of homage there. So I thought that was pretty cool. So it does have that little tie. So there you go, guys. That's the uh, building block. So let's have a look at this movie. Let's do a bite-sized review. So the film starts off with Army pilot Captain Coulter Stevens, played by Jake Gellerhall, and he wakes up on a commuter train right in the middle of a conversation with his friend Christina Warren. I took your advice. It was very good advice. Sean? Sean? Look, I can see that you think you know me, but I don't know who you are. My name is Captain Coulter Stevens. You kind of freaking me out. It turns out that he has jumped into the body of a guy or a teacher called Sean Fentress. But Coulter Stevens' last memory was actually being a helicopter pilot in Afghanistan. And the world around him has suddenly changed. And he's a little bit disorientated. He's wondering what the hell is going on. He starts expressing some confusion... And he's walking around and he's he's a little bit rude to some people. He's a little bit off in this process. But then eight minutes later, the train blows up and you get this huge explosion. And what I liked about this um, movie right from this very moment was that I when I first watched it, I really felt like I was... Coulter Stevens if that makes sense because you really felt like as the audience she was thrown onto that train with him because you you know first time watching this movie you don't know what's going on and you're looking around and you're and I almost felt like well what would it be like for Coulter Stevens and I think this is what this is the draw for the movie because from there here onwards you're trying to work trying to think well how can I get myself out of this situation and in the first eight minutes you realize that there's a, a bomb that goes off and um, it feel, feel, feels like a mix of, as I mentioned, Quantum Leap meets uh, kind of like the Murder on the Orient Express. And from here onwards, you've now got a mystery and you've got to try and work things out, which is pretty cool. So, back to the movie. After the explosion, um, Stevens then wakes, wakes up in a dimly lit cockpit and he's communicating through a video screen with an Air Force captain called um, Captain Colleen Goodwin. Welcome back, Captain Stevens. Where am I? What is the source code? It's a computer program, Captain. Who is played by Vera Vermiga, and she basically tells him, she gives him uh, a rundown of what's going on. She basically says, you need, you've got eight minutes to go back in time, or back into this like virtual simulation and try and find out who the bomber is. So then Coulter gets zipped back to that same time again. Got to mention um, Groundhog Day as well. This is like Groundhog Day where he keeps reliving that eight minutes and he goes through everything he just went through, but he does things slightly different. He rushes to the uh, toilet, he has a look up in the ceiling, and then he finds the bomb. No, 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 no. But now he's found the bomb, he's he now needs to find the bomber in order to be able to deactivate it. And before this happens, the bomb explodes, and then he's back into that Groundhog situation again. Uh, he wakes up in the capsule, and this time he's a little bit more demanding in what's going on. 
At 7.48 this morning, a bomb exploded on a train outside of Chicago, killing everyone on board. And this time, he is fed a little bit more information from the captain and she basically tells him that the train has already exploded. The situation that you keep going back to has already happened. What we want you to do is go back and try and find out who the bomber is so we can prevent more attacks from happening. So he goes back, um, he manages to locate a possible suspect and this is where things change a little bit because he now gets off the train, he follows the suspect, he intervenes a little bit, you get an action scene here, get him rolling around on the floor. Um, the train explodes and in order for the, for the bomb to activate it has to be done by a telephone but this guy is rolling around with he doesn't activate his telephone so he has this process of elimination but as it turns out the trains exploded but he hasn't gone back with back to the um, cockpit he's extended those eight minutes but then he falls onto the train track and again this is where it kind of gets a little bit groundhog day he ends he gets run over by a train and then he goes back to the cockpit but what's different this time on his return is that he's worked out that he can actually um, save Christina. He managed to get off the, t the train and he managed to extend that eight minutes. Um, so this is where he's starting to work things out. Although he's being told it's just like a some sort of like virtual reality um, device that very cleverly reconstructs the last eight minutes of the people who actually got killed in this attack. Coulter then learns through um, the captain that he is actually a, a pilot who got killed in Afghanistan two months ago and he's actually on a life support machine with um, most of his limbs all severed. And they've basically reconstructed his body in this capsule so he can kind of make sense of things and they're using his mind to transport him back um, in these eight minutes. Whilst having this conversation in the capsule, he manages to speak to uh, Dr. Rutledge, which is played by Jeffrey Wright, and he is basically the brains behind the source code. He has put this together. And Colter says to him, look, I'm go I will carry this mission now. I'm not best pleased with it, but once I have come to the end of this mission, all I ask is that you turn off the life support machine. To which uh, Dr. Cutledge agrees. Colder then goes back, he keeps repeating the last eight minutes and um, after several attempts he manages to find the terrorist named Derek Frost and he memorises his um, licence and vehicle and registration plates because he follows him off the train, he finds out that he's, he's got a van loaded up with a nuclear device. He intervenes with him and he calls the police, he gets the guy arrested and then as it turns out through this process of him carrying this action out within I guess you could say like the source code environment he comes back and then he relays this information and what happens here is that the actual source code has worked um, they've managed to prevent the terrorists from doing the other attacks and then Dr Cutledge is congratulated and he's he's come away and he's gone I knew this would work but now um, Stevens is going to be terminated but at this point Colt has worked out that there's possibly many other alternate universes out there and he does mention this to Christine on the train before this he actually says well, what if 
you were in a, in another reality you you might have they have a conversation about her boyfriend and he says to her look you know what if you ditched your boyfriend and you did something else in another life what would you do if you knew you had less than eight minutes to live i'd make those seconds count and i think what colt stevens is beginning to work out now is that in the source code it's becoming like another reality so you could possibly change things and then continue this life and this is where the film all becomes a little bit sort of sci-fi and alternative reality, which is very clever. I want to go back in. I'm going to save her. You can't. It doesn't work that way. Christina is dead. She doesn't have to be. So at this point, the film's kind of like taking a very clever turn because he's... Coulter is now... He's, he's found out who the terrorist is. He's saved the day. He's prevented the terrorist attack. But now it's become a mission to save himself because back in the real world for him he is dying he's in a you know he's on a life support machine but now he's thinking there might be a chance for me to live um to jump into this alternate reality and then try and make a life with christina because there's obviously some chemistry between them so it's kind of like become like a sort of love story with the sci-fi elements so back in the capsule just before his life support his machine is turned off, he says to uh, Captain Gibbon, he explains all this, and he says, look, just give me another eight minutes, just send me back into the uh, source code, and after that eight minutes, then turn off my life support machine, just give me this charm. I'm asking you to have the decency to let me... You can't lie on the edge of his seat because you want this to happen for him, and he is sent back one last time, and then he goes through all the events that he went through. He wakes up on the train, um, he sets a date with Christina, uh, he manages to defuse the bomb, he apprehends the terrorist guy, uh, reports him to the police. And then there's a nice scene here where he makes a telephone call to his dad, um, which turns out to be Scott Beluka uh, from Quantum Leap. It's not actually Scott Beluka, but you know what I mean, it's the guy who plays him. And uh, it's a nice little time with, as I said earlier, the uh, Quantum Leap. And he basically um, guises himself on this telephone call saying he was a friend of uh, Colt Stevens and I just wanted to talk to you. And it's, uh, yeah, it's quite, a, it's quite a nice moment in the movie. And he also sends an email to Captain Goodwin just to tell her about the source code, which I'll mention a little bit later on. And then after eight minutes... Um, Goodwin terminates uh, Stevens' life support machine... Right at the point where he's about to kiss uh, Christina. And as it turns out, he remains in this world. And it confirms his theory that Source Code is not just a simulation. It's actually a machine that creates an alternate reality. And because of his last um, actions in this last eight minutes, he actually, he's actually caused all realities to kind of align. And he's actually prevented the train from actually blowing up. And back in the time capsule world or in the source code world, the train hasn't actually blown up. And uh, Dr. Rodledge is now left saying, oh, maybe one day my machine will work. So things have changed for him as well. Um, but what's clever is, is the email that um, Colt has sent to the captain has come through. And she reads it and then she's surprised to sort of read it and saying... 
the source code works. You know, continue doing it. You have you have changed the future, and they've also created an alternate reality version of him, which then goes back to um, Coulter and Christina. Uh, they're back in this sort of alternate reality, and it kind of ends the way it started so at the beginning you see Coulter looking into a mirror which is very much like the quantum leap thing and then at the end he looks into a uh, a mirror sphere it must be some artwork in in uh, Chicago or something like that and he sees a reflection of himself and he's not Coulter but he's the other guy he is actually um, Sean Fentress so there you go that's it and then that's the way the film closes and he um I presume he goes to live a happy life in this alternate reality, but closing scene kind of suggests a sequel because in the other reality, in the source code world, uh, Coulter Stevens' life support machine is still on. It's kind of like they're insinuating that he's they're prepping him up, prepping him up for another mission. So um, yeah, I think there is a I think there's a sequel in the works. Um, it's I, I thought about that. When I watched it recently, I just think I'm not sure whether it whether we need a sequel with this movie because I think it just it's a good sort of standalone film and it just I like the way it makes leaves you wondering. Um, but we'll wait and see. But there you go. That is um, that is source code, guys. It's a it's a pretty short review actually because it's a short movie and um, I, one of the things I like about it, it really goes at a, a nice pace. There's a lot packed into it, but it really gets you from A to B very quickly. And um, the other thing is, it's it's not a film that's um, packed with lots and lots of actions or explosions, but there's just enough there to keep it going. And um, as I said at the beginning of the, the review, I really like the... It, it does feel like a sort of murder mystery type um, adventure. You know, it's like you, you, you do feel like you're with... The main character, Colt Stevens, is trying to work stuff out, which is my draw to this film, and that's why I will continue to go back to it. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's turned into one of my favourite um, sci-fi mystery adventure flicks. So, um, if you have seen it, let me know. You know, put some comments on comments on the uh, Facebook page. Let us know if you enjoy this movie too. Uh, or um, if you haven't seen it, I know I've <laughs> if you're listening to this review, I spoiled it for you, but. Um, yeah, go check it out. It's it's a fun movie. Like I say, it goes at a pace. So um, there you go. That is Source Code. So before I close the show, a little bit of admin as always. I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. So please go and check out all the other shows on there. The other show including um, the Mystery Vault Podcast, which I um, produce. Um, well, I talk about all the mysteries around the world. I've just recently spoken about Vampires, which is the new um, show that's dropped. So go and check that out. Um, I've got a Facebook page where I'm most active, so go and check that out. That's the best place to contact me with um, if there's any movies you want me to check out, reviews, anything like that. Um, more importantly, you can listen to uh, Bite Size Cinema on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and several other players um, on the internet if you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast in on Google. And if, you, if you'd like to, guys, leave us a review as well. Let me know if I'm doing good and I'm doing bad. I don't mind. Let me know. <laughs> no news is bad news, as they say. And um, what else? Uh, oh, yeah, let's talk about what I've got coming up soon. So, um, Dan Bone, my 
my good buddy Dan, my regular co-host, he has recovered from his operation. Sounds like he's doing very well. I think he recorded um, on his show uh, last night and it sounded like that went okay. So he's 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 uh, back up and running. Um, so hopefully I'll be having him on the show to do the Return of the Jedi episode, which will be a lot of fun. Um... I'm actually getting up to 100 episodes here, guys. I don't actually, I don't actually type, um, stamp the show by saying it's episode this and then it's episode that. But I am getting up to number 100, uh, which is a bit of a milestone. And um, I'm going to be doing uh, Jaws for that episode. I know we had to do that film sometime, uh, which is an absolute classic. I don't know anybody that doesn't like that film. Um, so I'll talk about how that terrified me from going into the water all those years ago up until today and i've also got um armageddon with kung fu dave we just had a little bit of a delay in the uh, production of that it's just trying to sort of tie up um dates and things like that but um that'll be coming soon so that's what's in the work so look out for that um so there you go guys gotta close the show and as always keep it bite size keep it safe and i'll see you soon Show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network like Cinema Psyops, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello This Is The Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.